Hey, everybody. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Friday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Lots to get to today, including some early low-key worries expressed by ESPN about the Lakers this year. We'll respond to those and then maybe put out a couple of our own, as well as letting people know some things we think aren't getting enough attention on the good side, plus some early leaks about what COVID protocols might look like for the NBA, how that might impact the Lakers. We'll do all that next. You are Locked On Lakers, your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Want to let you know, Friday's Locked On NBA podcast, Nick Engstad of Locked On Mavericks and Adam Maris of Locked On Nuggets. They power rank the week that was in the NBA. Follow Locked On and the Locked On NBA podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts. So, um, Andy, we've reached that part of the offseason where we're kind of everybody's sort of taking an assessment of 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 where everybody stands most of the teams are pretty much intact at this point everybody's made their moves tell that to the nets brian they keep adding former all-stars they've added two in one day brian paul Millsap and lamarcus aldridge who i mean it's great to hear if a little bit surprising uh that he's been medically cleared I, I can be honest. I miss the Aldridge thing, the Millsap thing. It's funny. How um, much help does Paul Millsap need? <laughs> <laughs> oh, can't Bruce Brown get a title on his own? Um, I, I was in the back of my head while all of this, and we'll get to to uh, you know the strengths and weaknesses thing here in a second. But for you know, as long as this DeAndre Jordan thing is live, and it looks like the Lakers um, might be in the market for a center like you know definitely looks know like he's getting bought out <laughs> i'll tell you that much right I, and, and so and so i uh i was sort of hoping that like you know Millsap would kind of hang out there it's like okay i like gasol i'd like gasol to stick around i'm okay with gasol we've talked about it um if it's not going to be gasol i really don't want it to be deandre jordan and now not only is it not going to be Millsap, it's actually increased the likelihood yeah, that jordan I, is going to be on the market i was i, I should correct myself either. i don't think lamarcus aldridge has officially come to an agreement yet with the nets but uh according to shams they are the front runner you know people may recall he actually was going to be on the team last year when this heart issue uh resurfaced with him and and forced him abruptly to retire. So again, wish wish him the best. It, it's a little bit surprising, but either way, yeah, it is looking like DeAndre Jordan's time with the Nets, if nothing else, is uh, decidedly borrowed. Yeah. Um, I so yeah, that that one that one made me nervous. Not so much because I think that pushes the Nets over the edge. Although Millsap's a good player. Yeah. Uh, he will I, help them. Um, we discussed I was, this. I wanted him on the Lakers yeah, I if know. possible. I'm just worried about the downstream impacts here on the Lakers. Um, in terms of pushing DeAndre Jordan here, because as we've talked about, I think it's a bad idea. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, I, I think they might want to keep DeAndre around. Two know? can play this game, Palinka, but you That's don't right. have to. <laughs> <laughs> it's not mandatory. That's a good point. Um, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, so that's actually going to be a theme of something that I want to discuss later on in the show here. Um, all right. So ESPN has a, a pretty interesting story that came out this week that talks about under the radar concerns for 
really the the biggest title contenders: Brooklyn, Milwaukee, the Lakers, um, Phoenix. You know, teams like that, Golden State. Uh, and the one that they came up for for the Lakers doesn't sound like a, a under the radar thing for Lakers fans because it's something we talk about a ton. But I guess if you think about it, kind of on a national level, like how you know a fan in Milwaukee, for example, might think of things, it might be more. And you know, it was written by Dave McManaman, a great writer there, and he talks about how much AD is going to embrace playing the five. Obviously, this is a discussion that we've had a lot, Andy. What is I'm still like kind of struggling with this a little bit. Like, what do you think is the right number? What is the right way to think about it? Is it a, a certain amount of minutes? Is it about when those minutes come? I think I have an idea, but I'm not sure there's a consensus on this yet. Well, I think in some ways it's all of the above because I think it it, it is hard to completely disentangle all of those things from each other because in some ways you know, it's a butterfly effect in terms of how one one decision affects the other affects the other. Um, in looking over some stats of Davis last year, uh, over at Cleaning the Glass, this was legitimately shocking. And I preface this by saying, you know, it can be in today's positionless era of the NBA, a little bit difficult to pinpoint exactly what position somebody is playing at all times. And, right. you know, sometimes this can be semantic blah, blah, blah. That being said, according to Cleaning the Glass, a very, very, very good website when it comes to breaking down this type of data, Davis played 91% of his minutes last season at the four, 9% at the five. I'll tell you this much. That's not a ratio that works. Correct, and it, that that lines up with most of the things. As according that I've seen to last, uh, be- the say, season before, it was around forty percent. Yeah, it was sixty forty uh, for the split, sixty for the four, forty for the five. It's got to be much closer to sixty forty, and mm-hmm. you could make the argument with this team the way it's currently constructed, it might be closer to an actual coin flip. Yeah, I, I I think you know the the answer from fans would be one hundred percent of the time. Like when Anthony Davis plays basketball for the Lakers this year, he should do so as a center. And when he sits, that's when you put Dwight out there. Maybe you know occasionally you put the two of them out together. So, but we're you know heavily tilted. You know eighty twenty where eighty is the five. You know because the numbers really speak to how successful the Lakers have been. Their most successful lineup last year by far included AD at the five. You know, it was, it was, uh, Mick Meneman pointed this out. It's, it's, uh, LeBron, AD, Caruso, um, KCP and and intruder. And and, like they outscored their opponents by 49 points per hundred possessions. Now, granted, small sample size and all that, but that lines up with what happened the year before. Um, it's, you know, so a lot of the, you know, it, 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 a lot of this just kind of lines up to show they are a better team when he plays the five. You add in a couple other things here. You alluded to it. The personnel this year is lined up much, much more in terms of the big three to put a premium on the kind of space that can be created. I don't mean just spacing in terms of shooting, but I just mean getting people out of the paint um, that can be created by having Davis at the five without a center on the floor, if he doesn't want to call himself that, um, you know, just you add Russell Westbrook to the uh, to the equation, and it becomes that much more important. You have Gasol; it makes a little bit of sense there. But 
you know, the big three plus Dwight Howard, that is a squished okay. together little floor. I mean, Here, here's to me, I, I think ultimately what this comes down to. And this is something actually, I, I've come around on the idea that I've always, I mean, everybody who's had a pair of eyeballs has known that Anthony Davis is better at the five. The Lakers are better at the five, but during his first season with the Lakers, I thought this was in some ways an overblown talking point. Mm-hmm. I've come around to the idea that this is actually really important, and particularly with this roster, because ultimately it's not that the Lakers can't succeed with AD playing a big chunk of minutes at the four, but it makes it a hell of a lot more complicated. It's just a layer of complication that is only happening because this is Anthony Davis's preference. In a a world without preferences, in a world without politics that comes with superstars, franchise cornerstones, all that stuff, you would have Anthony Davis playing the majority of his minutes at the five. And then maybe if there were some matchups where he was going up against somebody that would be particularly taxing. You adjust accordingly. Right. But in a world where you looked at this from a place of cold neutrality, he would largely, if not close to exclusively, be playing the five. And, I and there, there is just a level of complication yeah. that comes with this that I, it's not just that it makes a worse version of AD. It makes for, at times, a worse version of the Lakers. And it certainly yeah, I, makes for a I, more complicated that's, version. That's the thing. That's the thing. Because his numbers, statistically, he it's not so much that Davis is light years better. It's that the combinations around, and particularly again, it's not just Westbrook with the rest of the. It makes it easier for them to use the rest of the roster, if if he's at the five as opposed to the four, um, and so I mean all of that stuff is relevant. Um, l- when we come back though, because it's not just about where he plays though. Um, I think we've gotten a, a very hung up on the where and less. And and don't spend quite enough time talking about the how, because the how is critically important with Davis and was a massive problem last year. We'll do that. And then I will point out a couple of actual, genuine, maybe under the radar things that I'm a little worried about with this team. Uh, first world problems all. But hey, that's what we got here. We'll do that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online. It's that time of year again. All eyes are turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the season again. We just had our fantasy draft. Yeah, that's why we uh, didn't we just, have a show on Thursday. Right. Very exciting. I, I think I have a good team. I know I have a team name that I can't repeat. Um, as always, Bet Online, your number one spot for all college and pro football this act- I mean, this season. So get your updated odds, props, Contests including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest two hundred thousand dollar NFL Survivor contest open now at Bet Online. Go to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive your one hundred percent welcome bonus. You cannot really do much better than that. So be sure to take advantage of the opening day super promo. You make a bet on Thursday, September 9th, the season opener against the defending champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboy, my, my wife's team. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to 25 bucks for new customers only when signing up using the promo code NFL100. Bet online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action from football, basketball, boxing, right down to Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the promo code locked on. 
Hey, Andy, does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. You've got your neighbor's best friends log in for all the good stuff. Poaching. They call that poaching. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, I want to tell you about a, a simple way to get all of that entertainment you love. We used to have a house. boss who did that all the time. Yeah, it's true. Um, and it's a great way to get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. It means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more about uh, more about it at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. A compatible device is required, and content varies by package. By the way, I'm not going to say his name, but it was Greg Bergman. <laughs> so we um we've spent a lot of time talking about where anthony davis ought to play I, it's really important to emphasize the problem last year with ad wasn't the nine percent six percent i've seen everything down from six percent to nine percent to whatever that he spent at the five as opposed to the four those things matter and it cannot be that low this year just can't i agree with you he's got to play better though I don't care. I don't care if he plays point guard. Like he needs to be a better version of himself at whatever position, because it wasn't just the injuries. The parts where he wasn't hurt, he didn't play at the level right that is expected of him. That should be expected of him. He just wasn't that good. He wasn't terrible. He wasn't a scrub, but he wasn't Anthony Davis and the Lakers need him to be an elite player this year. I actually, I mean, we've talked, we talked about it with Michael Pina the other day. I think things he are now almost, hated Michael Pina. The, yes, but they shouldn't be. It was, I mean, just because he disagrees with you about Russell Westbrook doesn't mean he's wrong about his analysis. Um, I just, th this almost feels set up for Anthony Davis to really get out there and kind of shine. You have, Russell Westbrook, who can set you up. You have LeBron James, who can set you up. I was on with Josh Lloyd, the you know runs the fantasy podcast here on the network, and we talked about that. Um, I think on his Friday episode, like the guy who should put up the best numbers statistically, shooting percentage, points per game, that kind of stuff, is AD. It's not Russ and LeBron. Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, you, AD is the guy that I think makes this team with all acknowledgement of all the different things that make LeBron and Westbrook completely unique forces in their own right, incredibly special players, Anthony Davis is what makes the Lakers different, like different in a way that becomes incredibly complicated to deal with. Like he, you know, defensively when he's bad at his best offensively, AD is like that true difference maker in like the most literal sense, they become a different team. Like in a lot of ways, Westbrook is like, if not doubling down on LeBron's presence, it's like one and a half times LeBron, which is amazing. Like the idea of one and a half LeBron's out there, one and three quarters LeBron's out there. That's pretty awesome. AD though is something completely different. And in a lot of ways, not 
rep, uh, replicated across the entire league. Yeah, I and agree. I, I totally agree. And they, they need that. And, you know, Russ, plus he's, he's the youngest guy. <laughs> like he's the guy that theoretically you shouldn't have to preserve as much. You shouldn't have to monitor the mileage, all that stuff. Right. And I don't, cause I don't think LeBron is going to dial it back in the sense he's going to take a back seat. I, I think they hope he'll play fewer minutes. But, you know, he's going to do LeBron stuff while he's out there. Russ, I actually think, could dial it back in terms of his usage. Um, I think that that is something that he is going to be aware of and just is going to happen naturally. I mean, it went down when he played with Harden a little bit. You know, so I mean, it's like, I think it's just going to happen naturally. ADs, his stuff should go up. Like, if he's active, rolling hard, cutting hard, doing all that stuff, making you know, quick, decisive choices on the floor when he's got the ball, all that he ought to put up monster numbers. So, um, all right. So uh, here's some other things though. That's not a, for Lakers fans, like I said, that's not a, that's not an under the radar concern. That's something we're going to talk about throughout. By the way, his, his usage, uh, the one year with, with was 31, 34, <laughs> 34. I mean, it was like, I, I, yeah, that's, it's all depends on how you look. I think the one that I had read was 31 versus like 38 the year before 31 still very high, but it's lower than 38. So that's all I'm saying. Um, I'm not saying he's going to disappear. I'm just going to say it's going to go down a little bit in theory. Here are some other low-key, like genuine low-key kind of maybe even Lakers fans aren't focused on this. Tell me how much these things are uh, potentially problematic. Keeping in mind, folks, we're talking first-world problems here. All of these are first-world problems. Stuff that could be considered around the margins. Yes. I'm a little concerned about Trevor Ariza. I feel like they might be putting a little too much in the sort of potential Trevor Ariza basket in terms of looking at him as a guy who can consistently close games defensively. Because um, and well, I say this not so much because I'm really down on Trevor. I mean, dude's been around a little while, but. Um, there aren't a lot of other alternatives. If okay. Malik Monk doesn't work, there's sort of Kendrick Nunn is there. Like there are certain places where they have redundancy on the roster. A defensive front court guy who isn't LeBron and AD, they don't have a lot of that. So I'm a little, that, uh, that makes me slightly concerned. Well, I, I think to some degree, the question might be for now, because we haven't seen them play, are we, like the royal we, putting too much prognosticating what we think will be there for Trevor. Because for all you know, LeBron is going to be the closing four defensively with AD at the five, and they'll find some other option at the three. That being said, though, because remember, uh, it was maybe a week or so ago, we were talking about uh, Trevor's role, and I was saying that I, I could picture him kind of like in the equivalent of a baseball closer role or what we used to see with Alex Caruso in the beginning with Frank Vogel, where the first three quarters of games, yeah, Vogel, yeah. Vogel would not play Caruso much, but then he would play like eight or nine straight minutes in the fourth quarter as a really big part of that closing unit. Maybe that's a way you can preserve Trevor. But what you're talking about gets into a, a I guess, low-key concern of mine. Other than LeBron, in the sense that LeBron can be whatever you want him to be, the Lakers don't really have a true small forward starting caliber that is established, period. 
because Trevor's not really that guy anymore. Kent Bazemore, maybe you could put him out there, but he would be undersized by a pretty good margin there. I think they have some hopes for Taylor Horton Tucker to be basically in terms of just length. and I mean, his yeah. insanely long arms being able to make up for the fact that he's only 6'4", but he could function out there like somebody who's closer to 6'8". But he, Tre- I mean, uh, THT has a long way to go. Yeah, they're definitely, they need another wing. Right. They, they, I, they really just do. Just the, the lack of wing, like a three. And this is something, by the way, that has happened with the, the Lakers. Excellent illustration. Uh, Brian doing uh, like. Bird wings. Okay, there's a, a lo- old, old reference, but uh, Morris Day in the time. That's right. Brian doing the, the bird. bird right now. Right. They have not really had whoa, a whoa, true. Whoa, whoa, whoa small forward on this team in the LeBron AD era. Uh, Andy, they really I'm, I'm actually not sure they've had a small forward on this team since we covered them. <laughs> like, they always seem to not have a small No, that's forward. not that's actually I inaccurate. Know. I'm not, not going to go down the rabbit hole. But the last the last few years they really haven't. Like Danny Green was undersized in that role. They would play KCP there sometimes. He would be undersized and again, LeBron can be whatever you want him to be, but sometimes you might need him to be somebody that isn't the small forward in a lineup. And that being the case, they don't have a ton of established mm-hmm. options beyond we can that. use one more guy for sure. Um, let's. I got a couple more of these, but I also have a couple things that I don't think are getting enough attention on the good side. Uh, and let's talk about those next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models out there, it is impossible to stock all the parts you would need in a traditional chain storefront. And why would you spend 30%, 50%, 100% percent more on the exact same auto parts from a chain store or a new car dealership? I, I, would, I would not do that. They're, t- they're taking you for a rube at that point, a fool, a mark. You can get it for far less at rockauto.com. For example, Honda Odyssey fuel pumps. 353 bucks from a chain store, only 216 from Rock Auto. They are a family business. They have been serving auto part customers online for 20 years. Whether for your classic or your daily driver, get all you need in a few easy clicks. It's delivered directly to your door. So go to rockauto.com, see all the parts available for your car, your truck, right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Uh, you know, Andy. People often ask me. They see me. They're walking around like Brian. How how do you how do you get the physique? How does this happen? <laughs> yes, because they're looking to avoid it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, excuse me, sir. Where is the gun show? They might say. And then how I do I avoid this cautionary tale? Where the gun show is, um, and I tell them it's uh, the gun show is brought to you by Bill Bar. <laughs> if you're needing something, it's good for you. It's healthy. The taste good. I just lost Bill Bar. <laughs> <laughs> it's high in protein, but it's low in sugar and calories. The improved Bilt Bar is even I more delicious than before. <laughs> Just wait until our, we do our sh- shirtless week, and then you know that'll bring everyone back in. Uh, the improved Bilt Bar is even more delicious than before. 18 flavors, Andy, including six new ones like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia. Uh, and Bilt Bar, it calms my sweet tooth, even without all that sugar, because they're coated in 100% chocolate. And without, uh, and unlike some protein bars, they're actually soft and easy to chew and delicious. So go to builtbar.com. Use the. Use <laughs> you don't the, need to shoot them up first to eat them. <laughs> Everybody knows what that when we talk about the guns. They're, I know. They're talking about the, know. the guns here. Mm, yeah. Biceps. Mm. Um, as Hulk Hogan would would call them the 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 the, the pythons. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Use Bill Bar, go to BillBar.com. Use the promo code LOCK15. You get 15% off your next order. Again, the promo code's LOCK15 for 15% off at BillBar.com. Really quick, Brian, before we get to the rest of um, the concerns that you have, I, it just dawned on me that we didn't mention this, and I think it is worth mentioning. Um, all the, the second-half injuries for the Lakers actually may have skewed how much AD did or did not play at the five. Because or we never, would have. Right, right or would sure. have, because there was a lot that we just did not see play out. Again, the first half set a standard that simply is not uh, tenable or acceptable. But I do think just for the idea of full context, we should make sure to note that. Yeah, I mean, everything about last year was weird. And, yeah. you know, the context was was weird and everything. And that all has to be noted, including this point, you know, that was another one of my little sort of mini first world concerns here. I, you know, the buyout market last year, I'm a little worried about the buyout market because it's going to get an enormous amount of attention. Um, you know, the, the sort of the obsession with, Who's going to get bought out? And inevitably, are they going to be a Laker? Um, that storyline's strong every year. It's going to be particularly strong this year. The temptation to just kind of constantly add people to this roster is going to be really strong. Um, but more isn't always better. And I think last year, I'm not trying to pin anything specifically on Andre Drummond. I'm not saying the Lakers shouldn't have signed him. I'm not saying that he did anything wrong or whatever. And even acknowledging the context, like where they were in the market, like they needed, they literally needed bodies. Yeah. It was disruptive. It was, it was genuinely disruptive and it's going to be hard enough, I think, to integrate all of these new pieces over the course of a season, find a rotation that works, get all these things, you know, and, and so you're at you know, absolute, the, the, the peak of what you can be once the playoffs roll around. Uh, and, and if that happens, you know, they have a as good a chance that anybody win a title. I, I feel like depending, especially depending on the players, there could be a lot of guys out there who are sort of a little have a little bit of a fool's gold thing to them, which is pretty normal in the buyout market anyway. Um, but I just, I it's sort of like DeAndre Jordan, just because you can doesn't mean you should, and unless it's sort of fringy marginal people that. Um, you know, it doesn't mean you know, if they play him great, if they don't, it doesn't matter. Or somebody who's just so good that you kind of can't ignore them. I really hope the Lakers kind of are, are careful and very thoughtful um, about the buyout market this year. So that's just a little thing that I'm kind of looking forward to going, Ooh, I'm not I, this year in particular. I just, I, I, I would like them to be very careful. Again, first yeah, I mean, problem, like adding your roster. Um, but it's just something yeah. I was thinking about today. Well, like you mentioned, most of the time buyout guys are crapshoots. Then again, the Lakers um, in the championship season, Markeith Morris ended up far more than you or I ever expected—a pretty big part well, of only the in the bubble, though. Only, Not, but, but that's, to the point, he was actually terrible, right? But, but it, but it doesn't matter. Markeith Morris made a difference in the playoffs that yes, neither one of us expected at the time. Blake Griffin, by the way, was very good for the Nets last year as a buyout candidate. That being said, it is often a complete crapshoot, and. I think just the biggest thing I, I would have as a takeaway, again, context changes a lot of it. You Andre Drummond and Anthony Davis actually played better than I together than I think a lot of people remember it, but they never got a chance to really do the thing together. I just think ultimately it's about making sure you're bringing in guys, you know, for very specific purposes 
And is everybody on board with those purposes? Right. How disruptive is the thing that we're doing? Um, the last thing that sort of low key concern that I have before I want to mention a couple of things, maybe we'll do the COVID thing um, next week. Um, free throw shooting. I'm a little concerned about free throw shooting, particularly if Anthony Davis doesn't bounce back into his normal form. He was in the 70s, you know, mid 70s. Low 70s, I think, actually, last year in terms of his free throw shooting. Um, normally is an excellent free throw shooter, up near you know high 80s, mid 80s, high 80s. Was not good last year. If he's not good again, and that seems to be some sort of backslide, whatever, LeBron has become kind of a fringy, high 60s kind of guy, you know, not awful, but not great. Um and Russ is either in the mid-70s or the mid-60s, it seems like now. He, he kind of bounces around crazy. That means if that's the case, you could have a scenario where all three of the guys who are going to shoot the vast majority of the team's free throws are sort of 75% or less. Like, you go back to the championship season, AD basically supported the team's free throw shooting by himself. Um if if he's down in the 70s this year and all three of your volume free throw shooters are not that good, that that could be periodically problematic. Yeah, I I agree with you to a point. I think you can focus on 80s free throw shooting. I would not focus as much on the percentage because he was 74% last year, which is really low by his standards. For his, for his but, standards. But by any, I think by any sort of normal prism, that's not problematic. What was problematic was that he took only six per game rounding up. Mm-hmm. And that's extremely low for Anthony Davis. I think that well, is that's reflective actually, of what we were talking about before. He just didn't I, play that well. Right. I think that's actually the bigger problem than the percentage was the idea that he was not getting himself to the line in the first place. If he's taking three or four fewer free throws than you otherwise might expect per game, that's a bigger problem to me than the actual percentage, as long as the percentage doesn't fall into the 60s or below. Like, no, for, mo- I, for most big, I agree mo- with you. Most I, big I, men, I, you would take 74, but, 75% in a heartbeat. But that, but I don't, but yes and no. But I, to, to channel our friend Darius Soriano, yes and no. Um, Yes, in the sense that, they, yeah, that's a good percentage for a big man, but it's not a good percentage for Davis. And when you put the three of them together, like part of what makes Anthony Davis special is that he is an excellent free throw shooter in addition to all that stuff. And if he's going to shoot more, then it's even more important that he that he get back to it. Because again, it's not that his percentage is specifically terrible. It, it's that if the you know it's particularly like they kind of need him to help support the other no, guys. No, I, I I don't and disagree. It's just it's just you, I don't disagree that it yeah. needs to be better. That being said, if I have to look at one element of his free throws, I am far more concerned okay. with how many he takes. Assuming the percentage just doesn't fall in the turlet, I am much more concerned with how many he takes per game no, that's versus, a, that's versus the assessment. percentage. Just, I, I think I actually think both. If it's right, really if it stays at 74% but also stays at 6 rounding up, I'm going to be way more concerned about the 6 than the 74. Yeah, but the, the the collective free throw shoot free throw percentage for the big 3 is going to be something to watch for the Lakers over Look, the man, the pattern for for what they it's worth, gonna, they're going to take probably 85% of the team's free throws. 
the pattern for what it is worth with Russell Westbrook, it's every other year, like really going back to 2018, 74%, 2019, 66%, 2020, 76%, 2021, 66%. He's due for actually a year in the 70s, much less maybe reverting back to the form when he used to be in the 80s. If Westbrook gets back to the 70s and Anthony Davis is in the 70s, I think they're actually fine. Here's the thing. I'll I'll go one step past that. If Davis is back up in the 80s where he historically has been and Russ can be in the mid-70s and LeBron can just sit around 70, it's you flip that completely around. All of a sudden, something that I'm worried about becomes like, oh, yeah, here we go. Look, the guys who are taking... 80 something percent of the free throws are are hitting them at a at a at a rate the Lakers need to get points in transition, points around the basket, points at the free throw line. Cuz mm-hmm. you know, three-point shooting is not always necessarily going to be reliable, especially with those three dudes or whatever. That's where, you know, that formula was successful for them uh when they were going well. And so uh those are things. A couple before we go though, I do want to mention a couple of things that I actually think aren't getting enough good attention because so people okay. don't think we're just all negative here. Um, low-key good stuff. For all the emphasis on shooting, Andy, I think the Lakers have many more guys this year who can generate their own shot. Yeah, that's um, important. Le- LeBron, AD can generate his own shot, no question. Westbrook, you know, they tend to be the sort of the put the ball on the floor, get to the rim, but like he's kind of hard to keep away from the basket when he when he wants to. Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk, THT. Out of respect, I'm going to say Carmelo Anthony, although I don't necessarily know I want him to be doing that all the time. But every so often, like, you know, you need a guy to go get a shot. He can do it. As Mike Richmond pointed out when we did the preview, uh, Locked On Blazers host, you know, when Melo finds the mismatch in the post and he's pretty good at finding them, you know, it's typically younger dudes. uh, Mike described him as an ageist. He will go to work. Right. And he goes to work really effectively. And it can be effective. And so, like, you know, but do I want him? I, but, like, the point is, like, you know, he still, I think, is a guy who, at the very least, shot clock running down. He can go get a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- this is important. Like, the Lakers have been short on that yeah. Um, for the last couple seasons. And, you know, they have more ball handlers, which is something we've talked about a lot. They certainly have more perimeter shooting, in theory. And that's something we talk about a lot. But just guys who can put the ball on the floor and go get a shot – it is an important part of a half-court offense, particularly, I think, in the playoffs um, when things can get a little mucky and a little more bogged down. You can't just do everything that you want to do in the smooth, slick way. Having more guys who can do it, I think, yeah. is, is It also is makes useful. you just less predictable to defend. Like yeah. if, you know, if you know there's only a couple guys on the team who can get their own shot, it especially with the clock running down, makes it way, way easier yeah, to defend. I, I, so that's something I was thinking about. And then, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about what is the defense going to look like. Obviously, a lot to, to determine there. Uh, they're not even in training camp yet. One thing that I think will be very useful for the team, I expect them to be a good rebounding team, but in particular, all three of their big three are excellent rebounders. Yeah. Um, and I and when you think about a team that wants to get out in transition and push, a team that wants to, you know, have, you know, catch outlet, whatever it might be, or catch, you know, get rebound and go themselves, to have three guys, you know, two, you know, uh, you know, hopefully you're sort of quasi center, you know, 
a forward and a rebounding guard, I, I just feel like that is something that can both help them defensively, but particularly offensively. And um, is, is part of the skill set of the big three that I don't think has been talked about enough, that all three of those guys are really good at that. Yeah, I, uh, before we go, I used to write about this a lot when we covered uh, Kobe during the second half of his career. Mm-hmm. I think the most underrated part, underappreciated part of Kobe's skills as a player was his rebounding. Yeah. He's an outstanding rebounder for his position. And there's something to be said for when both your team's best player but also the guy who ultimately has the ball in his hands most often and dictates the offense most is a really good rebounder. I think there's something to be said for the way it affects your offense. I think it's some, there's something to be said for the way it affects your mentality. So as you point out, three guys, your top three guys, all good at that. I think that can really, really set a tone uh, for this team that's going to be really, really beneficial. Yeah, and ultimately, you put it together. like You start making these lists of things that are concerning versus things that are like you know your team's going to be good at. The Lakers, the ratio here is is really outstanding, which is why most people have them in the finals against the Nets. Um, and at worst, they're probably going to be the, the second favorite. The league uh, won't even have to work that hard to rig it. Yeah, it really game eight, game nine, do what you got to do. Um, we are going to take Labor Day off, correct? That is the plan? Yes. Yes. We will not be laboring on Labor Day, but we'll be back Tuesday. Yes. All right. Um, everybody have a great weekend. See you next time.